When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Wow, welcome. It's a happy Tuesday today, and it is steamy hot here in Winnipeg. You can see through my windows here at the house, it almost looks gray up there. Well, that actually is just the humidity in the air. So it's a high of 32 today. It feels like it's a hot day in August, but we're still in June. June, I believe it's the 16th today. And so it's all about the kids because, you know, it's coming up to the end of the school year, graduation, all these happy moments that unfortunately will be shared far differently. So we really wanna see in how, the, how the kids are really reacting to not only school, this whole pandemic, isolation, and now all of this racial tension and violence that is happening in their world. So um, we have some very special guests from Ontario. We have new guests here from the city. So let's open the doors to the wonderful ladies of the Hue virtual chat. Hi everyone. Hey. Hello. Hi Allie. There. There's Tanya too. Hey. Nanette, we don't see you. Yep. Got a very sexy picture there. <laughs> Hi Leslie. Hey. Hi everybody. Hi Christy. Hi Charlotte. Good to see you. And welcome Judy Ann too. Hey. And Allie's back. Wonderful. There she is. Hi Nanette. All right. Okay. So first of all, ladies, I, you know, I hope you like my new t-shirt. Uh, this is like the first time I've had a t-shirt on and I don't know how long and it happens to be like the hottest day here in Winnipeg, but I'm inside so it's okay. So these t-shirts are made by a local comp company called Zweke and it's all in support of, um, well, you know, the Black History Month, uh, but also Black Lives Matter and the organizations that support it. So I will at the end have a little bit more of a story and then where you can get these t-shirts. They all have a collection, a freedom collection. So I hope you will, you know, support. Hi, Susie, welcome, hey. But you know what, like I said, it's all about the kids today. I mean, for so long we've talked about our feelings and everything like that and, and the people that are struggling too as well, but the kids and kids of all ages, young, middle uh, teens, and right up to young adults, because it is the end of the school year, and some of you, yes, have gone through exams with your kids and everything like that, and, and Leslie, thank you for joining us, and so, you know, the teacher's going back to school, and it's, you know, back to school is a little different, definitely different, so anyways, um, Charlotte, I'm going to start with you, because it is all about mental health and wellness. <laughs> and that's your, you know, your number one group are the parents of, you know, obviously children. So what, I guess, have been sort of the change in feelings, the change in thoughts from parents? 
Um, can you get, give me a little bit more of a parameter? <laughs> That's like oh, huge. huge. Well, you know, okay, so let's, because we're going to, you know, obviously talk about school. So about school, yeah. you know, homeschooling, and then now some schools are open and, you know, but there's a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of different parameters now. Yeah, and it's actually, it's funny, you wore a t-shirt, I wore a t-shirt today, mine says be mindful, because I was oh. thinking, um, our, the conversation that we were going to have today, you know, I'm always going back to um, my message to parents is be kind to yourself, and I, I will continue to say that, um, and, and I know Susie's going to pipe in, but it's just working with what makes sense for your family and it that looks different for every family so always being mindful of that especially when schools are opening and um and you know like in my family and in my experience homeschooling was a really good thing um we, we did it for a year um and uh and it was something that was was good in our family it's not for every family so you know we have to be you know when, when comparing those or talking about those, it's just everybody's having such a different experience. And, um, oh gosh, and I just, like this morning, I, I was looking at the paper and they're celebrating, you know, graduation. So there was Balmoral Hall's graduating class in the paper. And normally that picture that shows up this time of year is of all the girls together and celebrating. So I was having lots of, of thought around that picture and what that meant for the girls. Um, but I know for, for my friends who have young, young children, it's just that increasing their bubble. And uh, I heard of a story of um, three girls having a sleepover and how ecstatic they were. You know, they're, they're six years old and, and, you know, they talked about my families are letting our bubble get a little bigger. We get to have that, that sleepover, some more human connection, which is so, so important, you know, for all of us. So, so my head's going lots of different places right now. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what everybody else has to say. Well, I want to actually to welcome some of our new members or, or new ladies into the chat. J uh, Judy Ann, welcome to our chat. Hey, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, yeah. I'm doing my best anyway to kind of keep in there and it's been a really tough time as we all know, but uh, happy to be a part of this chat today. Yeah, so Judy Ann, I guess fill us in to, uh, for the rest of the ladies, uh, this, um, I guess, do we call it an organization? Uh, is it pronounced Delegata? Delegita. Delegita, yeah. Tell us so a little bit about that. I founded Delegita four years ago. Um, and what it is, is it started off as being a public speaking contest for young girls um, in the Filipino community. So Dalagita means young girl. Um, and it was for um, grades 9 to 12 Filipino students across Winnipeg and um, just to teach them to be able to use their voices and that their stories matter, their voices matter, and they, and they need to be able to share their ideas without, um, like in our culture, there, there is a lot of almost like hoops that you have to jump through um, where you still have to be respectful of your elders. And, but at some times that means that you sacrifice your own thoughts and your own ideas, um, even though you do have something valuable to contribute. And so I started Dalagita as a way for um, young women to, to feel confident in sharing their ideas um, with not only like our Filipino community, but with the city in general. Wow. I can imagine the stories though and things that they will be speaking about when we all come on the other side of this. Have you been in contact, you know, because this actually would probably be a great opportunity through Zoom now and all these virtual chats for these young people to have a voice. 
Uh, yeah, there's actually a lot of um, younger, I would say like in their 20s to early 40s in the community that are really starting to think about how can we get together and meet and, and listen to our young people. Um, because we are mindful that, you know, this is this is a big part of their lives going forward. Um, and we want to be able to extend, you know, what, what we are able to do and what we're able to offer, even if it's just um, being able to listen and, and to give advice if that's what they're seeking or, or like a mentorship type of role. So, so there is a lot of that happening now um, during this time. And it's great to see people really stepping up and, and helping each other. Wow. Well, you're going to, I sure, contribute some more into this conversation. And then I'm going to say hi to Tanya. Good to see you, Tanya. Good to see you, too. We go so far back. It's I know. Amazing. I know. <laughs> you haven't aged. I oh, have. Oh, yeah. No, no. Okay, so Tanya is with Folkorama. And uh, we just, I wanted to have her on today, you know, definitely to talk about this festival that is, like, over 50 years, you know, old and running and how it's going to change this year. You seem to be very excited. I couldn't get it out of her, out of her so I don't know, ladies, if you can, this, this, at this opportunity, tell us more on how Folkorama this year is going to be celebrated. Well, it's really exciting. Um, we have a great team here at Folkorama, and we kind of sat back and said, okay, we have a whole bunch of communities that are suffering. How can we help them? How can we keep the love of Folklorama alive? And I know I've seen Susie at, at Folklorama uh, last year. Actually, we sat right beside each other. Um, but uh, what we did is we sat down and we said, okay, how can we reach people? What are the, what are the things that people love the most of Folklorama? And entertainment and food, top ones, always love it. So uh, we went to our communities. We all kind of brainstormed together and we came up with Folklorama at work, at home, at play, which is coming soon, and at school. So um, at home program is pretty straightforward. Uh, if you want to, you know, you're a fan of, let's say, the Japanese pavilion, um, we can bring a performance and food to your home. Social distancing, following all the government regulations. Um, it's, it's been so exciting. We are actually, okay, you guys are the first to hear this. Today, we're going to be at a senior's home. So uh, whether it be your own personal home, we have just booked four daycares uh, yesterday. So uh, it's really exciting that we can bring our culture, culture and celebrating culture diversity to so many homes, no matter what that home means to you. Um, the at-school program will start hopefully in the fall. Um, let's be honest, you know, for, for us that are moms, seeing our kids every single day stare at a screen and then get off and stare at another screen has been, I know it's been difficult for me. I've noticed sometimes a personality shift, especially in my nine-year-old. Hate to call her out, but I'm going to. Um, so what this is gonna do is we're gonna be able to bring her to the school. So it could, um, you know, about the best, celebrate the future, show a dance, taste some food. Um, again, meeting with government regulations. And at work, um, we have, I mean, you guys know, you're, I'm back at work actually. And uh, to walk back in the office can be scary for people. It can bring a lot of anxieties. And what we're doing is we're bringing a way to unwind. So we have a, a Caribbean steel pan drum player that's been booked for some occasions. Then they're gonna walk into a Caribbean cuisine um, to kind of give people that warmth and that feeling of support moving back. So yeah, pretty excited about it. I gotta be honest, it's, it's been a nice, you know, it's my first year here and, and I was looking forward to the festival, um, but now we get to pivot and do something else. Well, and it's celebrated year round now. Now it's not just two weeks in August, really. 
Totally. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I'm booking a, a party uh, actually for my mom, don't tell her, um, in July, but um, we have a, a wedding that's coming up in, we don't, I'm good, uh, <laughs> but in November, um, there's someone that's actually booked entertainment and food for a wedding. So oh, it's nice. all year round. It's not just those two weeks in August that we're so well known for. So my question, and you probably won't answer it, is what are you doing then for the big kickoff? Because that was the, that was Ollie's, right? You're right. I'm not going to tell you. Um, we have, <laughs> we have one more thing planned that we're really excited about, and um, we're really hoping it's going to benefit our communities. I mean, we have so many um, that are part of our family, and you know they're not able to open up completely. They're not able to you know teach kids fantastic camps or dances or language classes. So um, we're really stay tuned okay. on a second. Um, I don't do it as good as Tracy does. That's why she's in this business. Um, but uh, yeah, we're very excited about it. Uh, well, we can hardly wait. And that's such great news. And, you know, go to their website, folkorama.ca, for all of the information on all of the exciting things that are happening. So I'm going to actually, let's go to Christy. Hi, Christy. We haven't seen you for a while. Hi, Christy's from Snowflake Place. And I, I'm pretty sure everybody knows, but maybe again, Christy, maybe just... Uh, Tell us again what Snowflake Place is all about and where you where you are right now with everything. You're still muted. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, you know what, Snowflake Place is Manitoba's only child advocacy center. What I will say is we're actually the beginning of a child advocacy center, so we are a child-friendly interview space. Uh, we interview children every day who are the subjects of child abuse investigations. Uh, so Winnipeg Police or CMP schedule appointments with us and bring children in, and we have two um, highly skilled forensic interviewers who conduct those interviews um, in a child-friendly space so that their voices can be heard, um, mostly in criminal justice proceedings. So, um, you know, I mean, these times have been really challenging for children for so many reasons. And I spoke about that a little bit last time we, we talked because yeah. um, we had our, the PSA that we put out um, talking about the fact that, you know, you know the public health measures that needed to uh, be put in place to protect citizens, um, you know, created some un, unanticipated or unwanted um, risks for kids because unfortunately some kids aren't safe at home. Um, and some kids rely on school and peers and parents of peers um, as being safe places or places where they can go to talk. So what we've seen over the last few months is a significant drop in reporting. Um, teachers are, are, are the number one source of referral when there's concerns about kids. So, um, you know, what all, all we've been trying to do through this time is really encourage folks to um, sort of think about that and be creative about how they can connect with kids. And so it is really a relief to see things opening up. And as you know, somebody mentioned early in the call, going for sleepovers again and, you know, being able to connect is really, really important on the mental health side, but also just even in, in terms of safety. Um, right. But we also are in the process over here of, um, developing a whole new child abuse response center that's really a community-based response to child abuse which has never existed here before so it's an exciting time and um, um, you know not everybody likes to talk about child abuse but it's important that we do because I think the reality is the good news is most people really really care so we're excited to be able to be uh, working on this and over the coming months folks are going to hear a lot more from us and they'll be provided with a lot more opportunity to get involved in a way they've never been able to get involved before. 
And I think that's so important. And I mean, Susie and all the rest, please chime in too with this. I mean, because it is unprecedented times. And even yes, schools are slowly opening, but it won't become boom September full classes. And you will need the support from outsiders, right? Outside of the school to be able to help and, and deal with this because I can only imagine the mental health and wellness of children has to be affected at, in some way, shape or form. So mm -hmm. I don't know, Susie, how do you, I, I think this is a great idea and I'm so excited. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you can share those, all those plans with us because, you know, we will all definitely have your back on this one. But yeah, Susie, it's, it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. I just think that obviously, um, you know, children have been affected by this uh, pandemic in, in ways that we can see and ways that we can't see yet as well. So I think that, you know, we, we are, um, uh, some people think it's over already, obviously, as you can see by some people's behaviors and some people are not comfortable with even just getting back to what's considered normal as per government recommendations of going out and things like that. I'm nowhere rushing toward that either. Um, but it's not even, you know, now or getting back to school that we'll need to see. It's going to be, you know, months after and even what is after, like we're still during, you know, kind of thing. So we have to be really careful how we um, frame discussions and even how we um, how we consume information and share information with our kids because they are taking their cues from us. And we just have to listen a lot more, I think. We really have to listen and remember that things are not normal right now. So to take, take their emotional well-being as a top priority and any kind of emotional outbursts and things like that with compassion and kindness. And they really need that extra TLC, not just from us, but other people in their lives as well. And to really just kind of be gentle, you know, with our with ourselves and our children, to be really gentle. Yeah. Allie, welcome back. Um, just piggybacking on on what uh, Susie has said, and I was just thinking, do you think because of this isolation and sort of this kind of angst about being safe, does that heighten our kind of awareness of things? Obviously, we become maybe more emotional to things that normally wouldn't wouldn't be bothered by. I think so. I think right now, more than ever, I mean, we're all stuck in our homes. And for the beginning part, we were actually really in our homes before things started opening up at all. So kudos to anyone who's still in, in good speaking terms with everybody that they live with right now, because it hasn't been super easy. But um, I think right now kind of adds every kind of stress, adds everything. So even I find myself going to a grocery store, my everything is heightened everything is heightened and typically before you go to the grocery store you run in you grab what you need and then you get out and now i'm like hyper aware and i'm like on a mission i need to be in there my anxieties are heightened um i'm thinking about everyone around me i'm thinking oh i don't know if that person should be out like i'm thinking about everything right so i think kind of this time has not only given people a sense of more hyper awareness but also a sense of kind of the unknown in the sense, I don't really know what to do, what's right, what's wrong, but I'm going to just kind of go with the flow and hope that I'm not messing things up. So I kind of think there's that also that's that piece of anxiety is that we all kind of hope we're doing the right thing. 
And especially when we're out in public, we really hope we're doing the right thing, not walking the wrong day, wrong way down the aisles or <laughs> using the wrong arrows and going the complete opposite way. But I think it does add a lot to to everyone's life, right? And and just right now is is the biggest time ever where it's kind of testing all of us, testing all of us in, in terms of our emotions and and um, what happens when you get kind of stuck between a hard place and rock, right? So. You guys feel that when you see people go down the other aisles that you give them a death stare? <laughs> I am guilty. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm in PR. I'm totally one of those people. I just get, I get all turned around and yeah, or I forget something. So yeah, that has definitely been me once or twice. But most people have been nice about it. So otherwise oh, I, I probably burst into tears, but you know, I mean, it's already anxiety, you know, ridden enough. So yeah, yeah, but no, definitely has been me a couple of times. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah, and I made the fatal mistake of touching more than one item. <laughs> My husband says, you touch it, you buy it. Oh, okay. but yeah, I oh, don't know. So then you better go to a jewelry store. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah definitely. Um, but Nanette, I was gonna ask you, you know, talking about heightened emotions and Susie saying too, you know, the children take cues on the parents and everything like that. Have you noticed a change in your teens? And yeah, and one has graduated this year too, so right? Yeah, you know, it's it, not really, you know, it, it's funny with teenagers, they, they, they find their own way and it's almost like you try to help them, but they're like, no, you know what, I, I'll figure it out on my own. And I've been very fortunate with, with my kids because, you know, they're, when they do need something, they will approach us. You know, my husband and I are very open and we're always, okay, yeah, you know, we're, uh, whatever you want to talk about. You want to talk about calculus? Okay, let's talk calculus. Let's, you know, because my husband's a calculus instructor. <laughs> um, and then they find themselves trapped because my husband's lecturing to them. But, um, you know, in terms of all of this, you could see that they are trying very hard to navigate their own way through it. My daughter, um, it's very different with her because she's a very active person. She dances almost every day before, and then suddenly no dance. And this has impacted her in ways probably she's unaware of, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, she's, she's doing well. She's, she's okay. <laughs> she's, she's fine her, her, her way. Uh, my son, he's, <sighs> he's very relaxed about the whole graduation thing and he's very happy to know that actually things are, that next week is the graduation ceremony. It's, it's different. It's, they are going to go. I, I'm still quite unclear <laughs> with what the deal is going to be. So I'm not, I think it's like, you're all trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to do this? I personally think just have it outside and we can have, you know, everyone there spaced far apart <laughs> uh, but uh you know he's he's doing well his brain i think has already moved forward to university and um i don't know he's he's very different that way he goes you know he goes with the flow he's he's it's so different with teens you know um i don't know if i would have been able to deal with it when if they had been if this happened 10 years ago and they were much younger and um you know, in, in math, yeah, we could teach them. That's fine. I used to be an engineer, no problem. <laughs> yeah. um, but everything else, like, 
but they have, as far as school is concerned, they've done their own thing. They've had very good communication with their teachers. Like kudos to the teachers for having everything figured out. And the transition from in class to at home was, was very, very well done as far as Grant Park was concerned. So we've been very fortunate in that the kids just had, it was a, a minor blip, but you know, they're doing well, they're doing well. I think they've, they've gotten to the point now where it's become routine and it's helped my daughter that she has a bike now so she can go and, and come go off and then, and then have that time and then come back. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because they, they have sort of figured things out and now it's, they're kind of thriving. My son's getting more sleep. My son, my daughter's getting more sleep. And it's, it's made such a difference in, in that case. But yeah, well, there's just so many things, so many, so many different things that, uh, that well, have come through for my kids. Yeah, no, I mean, it's so wonderful. So I'm just going to go quickly to introduce Leslie back again. Hi, Leslie. Good to see you. Nice. Hey, so she kind of, you come from the teaching background. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. but I, I come from the teaching background in Ottawa, so it's really interesting to listen to all of you because you guys are ahead of us with regards to opening up. We just hit phase two on Friday, so people could actually get their hair cut for the first time just on Friday. <laughs> so obviously, I have not made my appointment yet, but um, and interesting to hear like schools are not open up yet here, so we are quite a ways behind with regards to what's happening but uh, the experience is the same whether it's you know still homeschool or um, heading out to school and I just when I when Tracy when you emailed me last week I reached out to a bunch of my friends that are teaching still and and principals just to sort of get a sense of what people are feeling here in Ottawa and uh, the overwhelming response that I got back was COVID fatigue not just teachers, but as parents and kids feeling fatigue and um, elementary, most of my elementary teaching friends said that they've, you know, this has been a really interesting online experiment, but one that they really don't want to continue for much longer. Like they're just finding like the social emotional piece, they're, they're, they're able to connect and that's really, really good but the academic piece is so challenging. And especially with, you know, families where both parents are working or there's multiple children in a family. And um, thankfully, very, very early on, the Ministry of Education here said, mental health is the primary focus. And, and then we're not really going to be too concerned about academics. It's more bringing kids together and staying in touch with kids and families. But then I was talking to a friend of mine last night and she said, yeah, and then he came out two weeks before report cards were due saying, oh, well, we changed our mind. You could actually assess all the work that you have been doing with your kids for these last nine weeks. So teachers were in an uproar because they hadn't been assessing work and hadn't been. And so there was a lot of confusion and pushback with parents and, and teachers. So it's generally been a confusing time. Um, and, and of course now it's almost the end of June. So high school kids are, it would be exams right now. So they're really falling off. Um, biggest worries are 
those kids that fall through the cracks have really fallen through the cracks. And it goes back to what Christy was saying, you know, you're not seeing the kids every day. The kids aren't coming forward with stories to their teachers nearly as much. Um, families are much more able to hide from neighbors what's going on than they are when kids are at school all day, every day. And, and, and teachers have a really good sort of finger on the pulse. So, um, yeah, so survival, community, and, and yeah, lots of mental health worries. Interestingly, though, there are, as uh, Nanette has said, lots of positives that have come out of um, it for kids and, and figuring out, you know, work-life balance and, and a flow and, and who are my really important friends and, and what is really important socially. So there's, you know, tons of pros and cons. And uh, so we don't even know if we're going back to school in the fall here in Ontario. And it may be very regional depending on, on what's happening. So it's, it's, it's interesting to watch what's happening. How much, like, I don't, I don't have a sense of what's it like in Manitoba? How many, how many of the schools are open or, or what's going on there? I can speak a little bit to that. So Dalgita yeah. is my like passion project for the community, but career-wise, I actually work for the Winnipeg School Division. Oh, okay. Um, I have, I, I was actually a classroom teacher up until January. They plucked me out to do like program support services, which is an honor to do. Yeah. I get to go from school to school and, and really help with whatever they need. Oh, um, however, with, with this happening, you know, four weeks in, uh, we had to work from home. So it's been quite a big adjustment. Um, but, you know, still in the role now and being able to support schools, the emphasis has been, just like you, you were saying, it's um, being able to give students like a, another trust, like a trusted adult that they've had consistently in, in their lives since September. And so um, giving them that opportunity to come in, whether it be a small group um, or whether it be like one on one for some students who might need that one on one time. Um, so teachers have been given um, sort of that professional judgment when, when they're making their schedules that to give students the option to come in if, if they if they and their families feel safe to do so um, to come in to meet with their teacher and a lot of it like a lot of it is uh, the emphasis is placed less on yeah like the academic assessment of course it is important um, however it is about making sure that you know they have that security and, and being able to come in and see someone familiar and see some friends um, you know, drop into the principal's office or, or see their music teacher, you know, to be able to, to see some familiar faces again after being at home for so long. Yeah, so you guys are way ahead of us. My kids actually had a, my eldest, so she's grade eight. Um, they had a goodbye party yesterday. So um, it was very, it was different. Um, their, their class is only by class. It wasn't by grade. And her class was given the 2.30 to 3 slot. Um, essentially, they were every two hours. Um, the kids walked through one set door, hand sanitized, and then sat at, um, I think there was like, let's say 10 tables. Um, I'm guessing because I wasn't allowed in. But um, <laughs> they had to sit two people per table and six feet apart. Um, they weren't allowed to talk to their friends. Like they could wave, but they couldn't go over to the table and talk. Um, they uh, did a couple games where they sat and then after 30 minutes, they left. But um, my daughter, who is quite shy, hard to believe she's my kid, I know. Um, she was radiant. She glowed. She spoke all the way home in our 35-minute drive. So, um, yeah, that's what it was happening. Oh, school. that's great. Well, kids are really starved. Eh? Like, I mean, a lot of them are coping well. 
but they're really, really like friends are so huge, especially in that sort of 12 to 25 age bracket. Right. And it's, it's really challenging. Like a friend of it's, ours, um, her daughter um, is at university. So they're all online and she was at home doing a, a work co-op and she's back at university for the summer. So she and three friends that are all doing courses online decided that they would, I mean, at that point, we were still pretty self-isolated, quarantined together. And so the four of them are in an apartment and they're all doing their, their course, but they were all fed up with living with their parents for four months and then moved back. <laughs> but yeah, really. <laughs> but I thought, and I thought that was brilliant because then they've got their little social bubble and as things open up, they can expand it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really tough. It's tough. Yeah. My daughter's uh, birthday is this week. So this afternoon, actually, we're having um, the invitation went out to her class and uh, everybody is invited to come over and just kind of hang out in the front yard and in the backyard. And another one of her classmates had a similar get together and uh, some of the kids wore masks at the last one and they're more than welcome to this time. Um, they can, you know, play with uh, sidewalk chalk or whatever they want, or there's some, you know, bring your own toys or skateboards or pogo sticks or whatever you want and just kind of hang out for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, however long you feel comfortable. There's no mandatory minimum, maximum, whatever. Just come and see each other and, you know, say hi. And it's, it's so important for them to see yeah. each other. And I even send it to the teacher too, because the kids want to see their teacher. You know, they miss each other so much. So that's a I great idea. Yeah, it's something fun and you know not stressful for you know the people, but a way to connect and just kind of feel you know normal for half an hour, you know, kind of thing. That's, that's a great idea, Susie. What time can we all come? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Oh, and it's funny just laughing about that. I listening to all of you. I think really, you know what? I thought maybe it's hard on the kids, but kids are so resilient. Right, Leslie? And I think by the sounds of it, they're actually handling this possibly a lot better than us. Like, we are, I think adults are more like afraid and oh, and this. And, uh, but I really think that they have the innocence, and, and hopefully, all of this doesn't change it. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't change being a kid, I guess, is what I'm hoping this all goes. Yeah, my sense is from, um, you know, my friends, and I mean, I, you with young children can certainly speak to that, but I mean, and the, and the young kids that I know, it's, it's a really interesting time. Like it's, it's, there's an adventure sort of spirit to it for those kids that are in, in a safe and healthy place, right? I mean, of course, for some of them, it's an absolute nightmare. But, you know, I go out for a bike ride every day and I see kids from my school that I used to work at and, you know, they're out biking with their parents or playing tennis with their parents. So there's this whole access to family that they don't normally have. And um, the independence and responsibility of doing some of the learning online is really exciting for some of the kids. So it's... it's um, I don't know. I think I think for many people, it's going to have an, a a positive memory. It'll be a positive. Many positive memories will come out of it in in looking back years from now. Yeah. Um, it was. I read an article today on. Um, I'm not sure what it was. It was Vox, and it was talking about lots of people have discovered things that they want to maintain or as habits 
when this is all over. And, um, you know, so there, there are, as challenging as this time is, there are many, many positives that come out of it. Like, uh, I mean, some of the things were like getting in the outdoors a lot more, trying to exercise every day, realizing which, you know, what family and friends are really valuable and important. Um, that work-life balance piece and, and, and do I really want to work in an office for the rest of my life or, or do I want to spend some of my work time at home? So it's, it's, it's really interesting, the conversations and, and experiences that are coming out of this time. Yeah. Charlotte, you look like you wanted to say something. <laughs> yeah, I was sorry, I kept reaching forward, but you know, Leslie's uh, so dominant. Such sorry. Great, no, 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 you always <laughs> have such great things to say. I guess that, you know, where I go for it um, as, a, as a parent, you know, and I'm always saying to parents, be kind to yourself. And, and if, you know, Leslie, what you're saying, if, you know, this continues on into the fall, um, really taking a hard look at how the, the homeschooling goes for you as a parent and, you know, and reach out for help. So one of the successes of when we were homeschooling was that, um, you know, and I was thinking of Nanette, my father was the one who, who helped my daughter with math. I cannot do math and, and, and I'm not about to, to try. And so the parents that I've talked to who have divided up the schooling amongst their friends is like, okay, who can do English, who can do math? And then just working as a community to support the children so and whatever that bubble looks like so you know i've heard of now with the weather turning nice you know kids on blankets you know in backyards and you know one of the the parents is conducting you know math as each of them are sitting their distance away and and adding some excitement and taking the pressures off of you know the parent who can't you know which would have been me who can't teach math and and just really remembering as parents that, you know, we can't do everything. Um, like we really can't. And just, you know, figure out what, what works for you and then, and then figure out what that community around you that can support with what's missing in, in your story. And uh, anyway, that's where my head goes. Wow. No, that's a great idea. I was going to go to uh, Christy. How's, how are things for you family-wise? And then, I mean, you, it's hard because you're, what you deal with is so traumatic and to have the on off switch and now with all of this, how has this affected you? You're muted, Christy, you're muted. Sorry, Sorry Megan. Um, on the work front, it's, it's just been more motivating for me that we need to get things done faster than we were even, even going. So I'm feeling very motivated on that side of the house. My kids are 16 and 18. So this is my son's graduating year. Um, it's a bit of a bummer, but like, like some of the other people speaking, he's pretty laid back, I'd say. And I think for him, what I keep my eye on a little bit is like, it, I think he, he found it hard to stay very focused on anything school wise and it just to take it seriously. I think that's kind of his disposition. And so I think he's feeling pretty indifferent about the fall coming up. He was supposed to start university and I say supposed to, because I don't think he can make a concrete decision. I'm not sure that he'll want to, um, to take that step this year if it's online i think that's just something that'd be really disappointing for him because i think it was sort of a scary adventure he was looking forward to um and then for my daughter i think it's harder for her because she's actually super she's actually super chill super cool kid but she is really social she's really really social kid um far less concerned with academics than she is with all the peer dynamics and so i know she's really really missing that and 
Um, uh, but what I will say is I'm lucky at 16 and 18, you know, I'm, I'm doing a bit of nagging with respect to schoolwork, but I don't have to sit and do their work with them. You know, I have colleagues and staff here actually whose kids are five, six years old. And, um, you know, it's one thing to homeschool. It's another home thing to homeschool when you're trying to actually perform in your job at the same time and balance those things and try to be like, you know, I find myself as, as an employer saying to them, like, take, take it easy on yourself. Like I'm getting emails from you at 11 because you're trying to fit in your work day around school, you know, homeschooling your kids and everything else. So I think the fear is, you know, I don't know how sustainable this is. And I think, um, a lot of people, um, what was the term that, that was used earlier in terms of COVID fatigue? Just the idea that school might not be back in in September um, is, is a bit deflating right now because I think people were feeling like they're approaching the finish, finish line. You know, June is here, school is almost over, then summer will look a little bit different. Um, but the idea that's, that, that school, you know, may, may or may not be back in is, um, is disheartening because it's a it's quite exhausting and it totally depends on the age of your kids sorry and then the last thing that i hadn't even thought about was my kids are french immersion but like i said they're almost finished and so i was talking to a parent of, a, of, a, of other immersion kids um and their kids are in grade five and grade six and it's like that would be a i hadn't even thought about how challenging that would be because as an english-speaking parent you can't deliver on that side of their curriculum um, even if you can pay attention to school work. So it, it's, there's no question about it. It's, it's troubling. It's difficult for everybody. And, you know, one of the things that I kind of failed to mention earlier is, you know, uh, you know, I immediately think about the kids that are in unsafe situations who were in unsafe situations before this ever started. But we also have to realize we have a whole other group of families and children where, you know, they were doing just fine. They were doing okay. Um, but this is really unique experience. And I don't think it's normal for us to be spending this much time with each other and having to be doing all this work. So um, not to mention families who are suffering with really uh, being hit economically. So we know there's been a spike in domestic violence. And, um, and, and so I think there's other, a whole population of kids too, who may be experiencing you know, really negative impacts from this, but it's more because of the actual uh, lockdown where they may have been safe before all this. So again, it's tending to those families and helping alleviate whatever stresses that we possibly can. Um, because, I mean, earlier it was mentioned that, you know, it's amazing if we all still like each other at the end of the day in these households. But I mean, that, there's real truth to that. There's real truth to that, you know? Oh, wow. No, that's a lot to think about. Susie, um, I'm going to ask you and then Ali you can chime in too and maybe Judy Ann obviously with all of this racial tension violence um Susie you're in the social media I mean how your your children hear it or and how what has what has been their reaction to all of this um it's interesting you know because uh, on twitter and uh, everywhere else that i that i talk about you know parenting right now or even just gen z I love Gen Z because these kids are so fierce and so bold and do not understand really why this is still an issue, why we haven't fixed this for them, basically. And um, they don't necessarily hear a lot on the news, but they do see a lot on social media. So we talked about that. And um, they know, I mean, in our family, and even in their circle of friends, uh, Again, they're frustrated and in a state of kind of disbelief, like, 
what's the matter with you people? Like, what's wrong with you old people? Why haven't you fixed this yet? And, um, you know, even a couple of years ago, we had gone to the, um, the Nelson Mandela exhibit at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. And I don't know if you have, if anyone has been, but basically they walked you through sort of what life in South Africa would have looked like at that time. And, um, you know, they had the separate water fountains, the separate um, bathrooms, the separate benches even that you could sit on. And my kids were young then, that was like two or three years ago. And they were looking at me just like, this was real. Like you actually allowed this to happen. And it was just like, I know, like I am just as mystified and angry and furious as you are. And so it's not that they're not paying attention, but I think that they are so far ahead of us in terms of acceptance, in terms, and I say us, I mean generationally wise, right? Because I am I was over this in like 1986 um, when, when this was, you know, when, when this was hitting the waves about uh, like Sun City and apartheid and all those things, right? It was just like, there's so many things we could focus our attention on as human beings and fix if this was not an issue. So it's heartbreaking and yet it gives me hope that this generation will do so much more and that I think that we are not having a, this isn't a moment, this is a movement. So we're reaching critical points in terms of critical mass and people getting finally educated and finding out their biases and seeking information and having to confront things that they may have thought were okay, you know, even five, 10 years ago and go, these are not things that are okay anymore. And there's some things that we need to fix right now. There are systems that we need to fix right now. And we need to put our support behind activists and organizers who are calling upon us to support their, um, their causes and their movements and not just support, but with funding as well to put our money where our mouths are and to support that way as well. So I think that right now is a really, it's always a good time. I think to talk to your kids about history. There's so many resources online right now. Cineplex has opened up their movies for rental that talk about black history and black culture. And you can sit down and watch those as a family. Common Sense Media has ranked those um, movies as well to let you know what you need to watch for in those movies as far as content is concerned. So you can have those discussions with your kids and with your family members as well. And I think that, again, we talk about how kids take their cues from us. So even just looking around what your friend circle looks like, what your community circle looks like, how diverse is your household? How diverse is your inner circle? And you need to reflect that better so that your children grow up with that understanding that we are all the same and that diversity is better. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Allie? Do you see, do you feel hope? I do. I do. I couldn't agree more with the generation, Susie. They are just troopers and they're honestly like the trailblazers. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, I didn't even know what was going on when I was your age. And they're so invested in all of this, which is amazing. Um, I know for myself, uh, my sisters, they're Portuguese and Spanish. And then the school that they go to has, it's very, very diverse. It's a very big melting pot of a school. So all of our friends are are from all different places. So they are very used to being around a diverse group of people all the time. And so for them, this is very confusing. For them, this is very confusing because growing up, hanging out with all of our cousins, 
we all don't look the same. We all don't dress the same. We don't all of us even practice the same religion, but nonetheless, none of that was something that separated us. So this is really confusing for them in that, in that sense. And um, because all of their friends are either second generation immigrants or even first generation immigrants. So um, for them, it's really, it's really confusing. But another thing that I've also acknowledged and kind of noticed is is totally the call out, um, the call out era that's been coming out right now with the, the generation. And it's amazing, to be honest, it's amazing because what I'm hearing from the young people is, yeah, I was brought up in that. Yeah. I may have had a great grandpa, Rusty, who was, you know, a, a racist and you know what, I was raised around that and I was learned that, but it's my duty to unlearn that. And I'm going to unlearn that. And that is something that I, maybe I was brought up in and maybe that's what they thought, but I'm not going to use the excuses. They're just old and from the time anymore. They're kind of ridding of all of that. And they're saying it's time to unlearn it. And I don't care what I was brought up in. And it's time for me to educate my grandparents, which is just a huge like pendulum swing. And I think it's really, really incredible to watch. So yeah, there, I, I do find a lot of hope, a lot of hope and silver linings in all of this. Wow. Judy Ann. Uh, yeah, so one of the, my roles with the division, um, one of the things that I really brought forward was, was a list of like BIPOC literature. So Black, Indigenous, people of color. So um, telling their stories from their voices and, and making sure that it's authentic, that you can't put words in their mouths. Um, so that when you are telling the story and it's always like a very gentle, simple way, you know, you have, they have everything from picture books all the way up to grade 12 material and, and up, right, for adults. So. Um, books are, are a pretty good way to get that conversation started, even if it's just, okay, what did you observe? What do you think about this? Um, what, what do you, or what's something that you've learned from this? Or what, what's your take, what's your takeaway from this book that we've just read or that we've, we've flipped through together? Um, so that's kind of been what, what I've been working on is kind of building that, that list of resources um, for, because right now, like, you know, in, in a normal situation, like a, as an educator, that's something that comes almost natural to us. However, we're aware that people or students, you know, everywhere as young from your nursery kindergarten kids are kind of getting wind of this, of all the tensions that are happening. And I'm sure they have lots of questions. Um, and it, it's a little nerve wracking sometimes for families to like, you know, how do I address this? You know, they're messaging their teachers and the teachers are messaging me. And, well, here's some books. Right. It's a nice, gentle way to start that conversation. And yeah, like common sense media, having all of that media available to, to be able to access at home. Um, it, it's just about having that conversation started. Like Susie mentioned, being able to um, address your own biases and knowing where it came from. And then what Ali said, like unlearning it. And it, it's, that's kind of the process that everyone is, is trying to go through with this generation. There, I'm seeing a lot of uh, Filipino-owned businesses um, addressing it. Um, and, and I'm really appreciative of seeing this generation of young business owners stepping up, um, even like the word Filipino. Uh, we're starting now Philippine X. So whether it's Filipina, Filipino, and acknowledging that there are, it's not just the two, right? People identify in different ways. So even being able to start that with Philippine X and addressing that, right? So th there's a lot of growth, especially with this generation. Um, around our culture and and how we can be you know true allies in a situation like this, um, and it is it's really heartening to to see and really heartwarming to to see people stepping up and I'm learning um, to be better. Wow, one of the really interesting things that I'm learning, and I think um, that 
you know, a lot of us, I mean, and I come from, you know, upper middle class, white privilege, you know, and so learning that you need to be explicit about these conversations, like just, just the way you act and the way you behave are of course important for, for our, our young people, but you really need to, to have conversations about bias and about bigotry. And um, I think it was, we were, uh, we had a virtual cocktail party with some of our friends and we're all, you know, early fifties kids, sort of late teens, that sort of, and I just, I had really been struck by watching some of the stories of black experiences in America. Just anybody day to day, how many negative interactions they're having with police in in their day to day, you know, interactions with businesses and everything. And so I just put the convers the question out to to our friends. I said, so like, how many of you ever had a conversation with your kids about how they're supposed to behave when the police? stop you if you get pulled over or whatever and of course nobody had had that conversation i said well if if we were black we would have all had that conversation with our kids and i said we need to be aware of that we need to make our kids aware of these things and so i think you know one of the i mean aside from all the amazing things it's just so overwhelmingly positive all the things that are coming out and every day you look at the news and there's there's new stuff happening but um we have a huge responsibility to to be more explicit in our actions and our words, and um, and and not sit back and just be content with life and and trust that things are going to be okay. Wow, Tanya, I was wondering, you've got young kids, and I'll, and you can't shelter them from the news and what's going on in the world. Uh, you had those conversations, though they're young, but uh, you know it starts that it starts now. Well, as you, as Susie mentioned, circle of friends and and all those really important notes. Um, our circle of friends is multicultural. Um, you know, I love working here mm -hmm. because this really gives them. And and to be honest, even when I lived in Toronto, we'd still come home for the summer and go to Folklorama. Yes, I did drop that in my job. Uh, interview. Uh, but it's true. And it's important to expose your children to everything, to, to have those conversations and, you know, and give them, they, they're seeing things on TV. My, my 14 year old now is, you know, asking more questions. Um, Minneapolis is like a second home to us. And, um, you know, she's having the conversation of why this is happening. Um, that's why I really like our school program um, that we're launching is because so much of our history is read in books. Mm -hmm. Those books are necessarily right. Um, you know, screens, watching videos, that's great. But to meet someone, to, to learn about their culture, to learn about what they've been through, I mean, that's going to leave more of an impact on someone to, to change their behavior or, you know, appreciate cultural um, diversity moving forward. So that's, um, I'm really looking forward to those programs happening. Uh, well, so are we. So that's again, folkorama.ca, ladies, you can add that to your list of websites. So I am going to, uh, is there anybody else? Charlotte? Yes, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna add two cents. So yeah. I, I grew up in Memphis um, in the aftermath of the assassination of Martin Luther King. And so um, the conversation around racism has 
always been part of the dialogue in, in my family, just um, because I'm very close to um, what the world was like in Memphis and still is like in Memphis. Um, and I had put in the, in the chat box, I mean, if, if and when the world returns to normal and you guys are going on holidays and you ever decide to drive to Florida, please stop in Memphis and see the Civil Rights Museum. It's done in a timeline. So it's, it kind of, and it, it's like what Susie was saying about um, what the Human Rights Museum did. But in this case, it's a, it's a timeline of what the world was like at different, at different um, dates. So the first time I went, I really wanted to go back to the date that um, when I was a child, when we moved to Memphis, because I have vivid memories of what that was like, and I wanted to understand what was going on. So when we moved there, there was, um, there was curfews on in the city. You couldn't go out past, you know, 10 o'clock, like the whole city was locked down. And, um, and because of the, the racial rioting that was still going on and the huge unrest and, and, for me as a, as a child, I was, cause I wanted some validation of t the angst that I was feeling as a, you know, as a, a person who had moved from Canada where, you know, Canada in my childhood was not a scary place into this, you know, feeling of, of unrest. But I think the purpose of what I'm trying to say is it's just really important to have these open conversations with, with our children about this. And, you know, as Leslie said, you know, I grew up you know, a white privilege and not really understanding that as a, as a child back then, but really um, seeing the impact of the, the cultural differences between uh, me as a white woman and, you know, and the black people that were my friends growing up in high school and, um, and exactly those differences, like the, the police conversations. And I mean, those were going on back then as well. And, um, Anyway, I just, I'm just so pleased that now more of this dialogue is going on because it has been going on in my family for years and, and it's included into a bigger um, community now, which is, which is a good thing. So. Oh no, and it's through this, and I'm like, yeah, Susie just said that she lost her audio. Susie, did you get it back? Probably not. Um, no, it's uh, opportunities like this to share and meet so many of you. It's been so wonderful. And I think, yeah, of course, we're going to continue this conversation uh, next week. Um, it's going to be about love, love and relationship during this weird time. I'm going to try and find a matchmaker, too, for her to join. So I'm hoping, yes, so you are all definitely invited. I want to hear all your crazy stories with your spouses, partners. <laughs> I just wanted to pop in. I actually got married just before lockdown. So we got married on March 8th, just while well, our wedding was supposed to be March 21st, but we kind of foresaw that this would happen. So we're like, you know what, let's just get married at my parents' house, have it really small, and then we'll celebrate later. But yeah, so it's been an interesting start to a marriage, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, so definitely next Tuesday, you're on. You're on as I'm doing what and how to navigate all of that. Oh my goodness, kudos to you. So I just want to leave you ladies with something. So a little story about this t-shirt. Um, the Be History Justice campaign was designed and developed to bring awareness to social injustice issues that continue to occur in North America. In order for there to be permanent change, people must continue to be reminded that it will take a community shift of policy and attitudes. Zweke's justice line includes shirts that say, I can't breathe again, justice, inspire, equality, and Black Lives Matter. We hope that each shirt sparks, promotes continuous positive conversations, and begins the process of making change.
a portion of the proceeds from each t-shirt will be donated to organizations that will continue the fight for justice and equality. You can go to zueke.com and that is spelled Z-U-E-I-K-E.com to get your t-shirt. And I will leave you now with a little musical ending, Lean On Me. You can all count to Lean On Me. Sometimes in our lives we all have pain, we all have sorrow, but if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. So lean on me when you're not strong, so I'll be your friend and I'll help you care. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ILikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. 
Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to WhatSheSaidTalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.